Thank you, Jenny. Good to be here. I'm glad we all made it through the upheaval to a new location this morning. This is kind of cool to mix things up and be in a different environment as we're, as we're coming together this Sunday morning. Good to be with everybody. I enjoyed those donuts too, so hope you hope you got one. Speaking of donuts, I have always, my whole life, as long as I can remember, had a really good appetite. Kind of like an elephant kind of appetite, like big appetite. And fortunately with the appetite, I've always had a good metabolism too. So I could eat a lot and then, you know, be busy and not really affect me too much. But when I hit age 25, I realized that something had changed, that if I kept eating and exercising the same level I was at that point, that what had been okay, what had gotten me to that point in my life, wasn't going to be good for me to live healthy moving into the next season. I realized that I was going to have to cut back on my calorie intake and be more consistent with my exercise because what had gotten me here wasn't going to get me there, there being where I wanted to go in a, in a healthy lifestyle, moving, getting older. And really, that's happened about every, I don't know, few years. Those of you who are over, older than 25, you can probably relate to this. I, I kind of readjust my lifestyle, and then I get to this place like, whoa, this isn't working anymore. I'm going to have to adjust it again. Things just keep kind of slowing down a little bit. And today, our, we've been talking about upheaval of the status quo the last, this, this month. And we started out the first week talking about how Jesus, there's upheaval in the world. There's disruption in the world. Maybe as, as much, in many ways, you know, that's very indicative of the, of the culture and world that we live in right now. But Jesus is with us in that disruption. And in fact, he even has a plan for it. But most importantly, we have to know that he's with us. And then last week, we talked about a lifestyle of, of regular, radical repentance. That really following Jesus isn't just kind of staying the same. But it's, it's over and over and over again realizing, oh man, there's just something in my life, this is sin, this is destructive, this is unhelpful. I need to not just like make resolutions, but repent, turn away from that, and come into what God has for me. And our, our theme today is, what got you here won't get you there. This is inspired by a, a popular book by that title, um, by a guy named Marshall Goldsmith. And I haven't read the book, but I love the idea, because I think it's so true that so many things in life, that we can, we can, the way we are can get us to a certain place, and we can think that we've arrived, and that's good, but to get us where God wants us to go, or where we want, and also where we want to go, they won't get us there. Another thing in my life, I, I remember growing up, I discovered at a pretty young age that I think I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm. <laughs> like, it just, like, sarcasm just came so naturally. And really, like, you know, there was this, I got a lot of, like, oh, wow, that was a good dig. Like, that was a good, yeah, there were kind of accolades. And, like, that was, and it kind of became part of my pers persona, my personality. Like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy that, like, dry humor. And then even beyond that to, to sarcasm. And I sort of, like, that was, that was my personality. And that was all well and good until I got to a place where I realized, and I'm part of Gen, Gen X. Gen X, we're like the masters of cynicism and sarcasm. I think we, that's really a, our, our thing. But I got to a place where I realized, okay, this way of being sarcastic is keeping me from a higher level of loving people and leading people. And if I'm going to go into that, what got me here is, is not going to get me there. 
And we could talk, there's so many examples of this in life. Tiger Woods was a few years on the professional tour, the best golfer ever. And he actually broke down his whole swing and rebuilt it because he realized that what had got him here, even though here was a really high level, wasn't going to get into the place that he really believed he, he was called to be or was meant to be or wanted to get to. And then he had other life issues that he you know, kind of self-destructed with too. But what gets us here won't get us there. And I, my hope is that God will be helping us graciously this morning to see, okay, what is it in my life that's gotten me here, but it won't get me there? We've been, our, our theme verse for this, this series is from, from Hebrews 12, 27 through 29. I just want to read this, just kind of lay the foundation. We read, this phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The removal of things that are shaken, there's a shaking going on, things that have been made, things that are, that, that are part of this world, things that are in us, things that are made are getting shaken in order. Why, does, why do things get shaken? Why does God shake stuff in our life? In order that the things that can't be shaken will remain. He's wanting to take us from what's gotten us here to what he wants to get us there, the things that, that can't be shaken. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So God shakes stuff off, and there are things that can't be shaken. What can be shaken? What can't be shaken? Well, today we're really looking at not only, uh, not only bad things, like God definitely wants to shake bad things off our life. He definitely wants to shake off bad habits and sinful attitudes and self-centeredness and things that are obviously bad or obviously sinful. But I want us to really like even expand our thinking beyond that for a lot of us, that it's not just bad things, but it's just old things. It's just our norm. It's just our status quo. And God wants to shake off some things that are, they may seem perfectly fine, perfectly normal. And they're, but they're, he wants to shake them off because there's something greater. There's something greater that he wants to bring us into. And again, it's, this is really an, an evidence of his graciousness and his really high thoughts towards us. That what got us here isn't going to get us there. And God is wanting to bring us there. And that sounds great, but there is an element of upheaval in this whole process. I was reminded recently of when I was a freshman in college. I was in the dorms. And I don't know if you, any of you had a dorm like this, but my dorm had a, this, this bookshelf along one wall that was kind of attached to the wall with these little chains holding it up. And it wasn't real sturdy, but I tend to try to max things out. And so I put my books on there, and it was a little heavy, but I think it's going to hold. And then I had this, this massive, like, two-gallon jar of seashells that I'd collected. I got part of my childhood, I lived in Taiwan, in Asia, and I, I collected this, these seashells, and I had them in this big jar, and I put them on the shelf, and everything was fine. And then I went home for Christmas break, and I came back after the break, and I opened my door, and it looked like a tornado had gone through my room. There were just books and stuff all over the floor, and these seashells just covering the whole floor because the weight of that stuff had, had broken the bookshelf. And so I had to clean up the mess. 
But my, my RA came by a little bit later. He's like, oh, yeah, I see you cleaned up. Well, I, was, I was next door when that happened. It's, I thought a bomb went off in that room. When that big glass jar of seashells hit the ground, it was like I was ducking for cover. Like I really thought, like, what's going on in here? And the upheaval of our life, it can feel like that. It can feel like, oh my, what is going on? All craziness is breaking loose. I don't know what's going on. And it can be very discombobulating. But it's because God wants us to bring us into something more. We're going to look at a story today from, from the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, and this is really a, a situation that was, God was taking him from, from what, got, what had gotten him there, here, to what God had for him to get there, but it was very disconcerting, and it would have been very uh, disorienting in, in a lot of ways. So let's, let's look at this, this passage here. I'm going to read off my phone because it's too dark for me to see the, the print here very well. So... Genesis 17, well, we're going to read a fair amount of this story. We're going to skip around a little bit. We read, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Okay, this is... This is really great. God, the Lord Almighty, literally El Shaddai, is the name of God here in Hebrew, appears before Abram and says, hey, I'm, I'm your God. Walk before me. There's this encounter with God. And I'm going to establish my covenant with you and multiply you greatly. So that's, that's all great. But one thing that really stands out to me is Abraham was 99 years old when this happened. He's 99. He had a whole lot of what had gotten him here at this point. He had a lot of actually really good stuff that had gotten him here. And Abram was a man, and we've got a few chapters of the Bible before this, talking about Abram walking with God and God revealing himself to him and Abram following God and Abram taking steps of faith, really doing pretty heroic things. He left his family, he left his country, he left everything he knew and went to this land that God was going to show him. He sided with, he adopted his orphan nephew Lot. He went to battle to rescue his nephew when he was defeated by some, some evil, evil thugs and nations. Um, he was commended as a man who, who was a friend of God. He was a commended, commended as a man who believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness because he took God at his word. He had really done pretty darn well up to this point. And then God shows up to him when he's 99 and says, hey, what did he, how did he say it exactly? Walk before me and be blameless. It's like, well, okay, I'm, I'm 99. Haven't I done enough? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I mean, it's a little different because he's, he's face-to-face with God or having this very real encounter with God. So that you know, makes you a little more humble. But there's, God is saying, hey, there's an element of I'm calling you into more. And I'm gonna, then I will establish my covenant between me and you. That there was something more that God had for him. At 99 years old, there was something God wanted to lead him into. But what had gotten him here wasn't going to get him there. And reading on the rest of the story, I want you to just, if you have your, your handout, there are two columns there, um, shaky and unshakable. 
if you can, I'm gonna, we're going to go through some things in Abram's life that were shaky and some things that were unshakable or becoming unshakable. And if you want to like jot down things that stand out to you, we're going to look at some of the ones that stood out to me. Um, but let's just, let's just read, continue reading this story. In verse 3, Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And it's important to realize whenever we read in the Bible and the Old Testament, we're, we're told in the New Testament that all the promises that were made, all the covenantal promises that God extended to people, that for those of us who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, those promises are for us as well. And so these things that God's saying to Abram, now Abraham, are for us too through our faith in Jesus. And in verse 8, God says, And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And then skip down to verse, verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Now Ishmael was Abraham's son. I think he was, I think it says later he was 13 years old at this time. Um, he was, God had promised Abram earlier that he was going to make him the father of many nations, that his descendants would be like the sand of the seashore. And Abram got older and older, and Sarai got older and older, and they didn't have any children. And finally they said, you know, this isn't working out. We're obviously barren. We can't have kids, but let's, maybe there's another way we can make this happen. And so Sarai said, here's my, my maidservant, Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her and have, a, and have a child through her? And this must be the way that God's going to bring about his promise for us. And so that's what they did. Abram slept with Hagar. She conceived, had this son Ishmael. And so they were thinking, okay, this is God's promise. It's, it's coming forth. It's, we, we, have this, we have this son, and this must be how God is, is bringing the promise about. But we find out later that that, wasn't, that was them doing things their way. That was what got them here, but that wasn't what was going to get them there. That was them trusting in their own resources and a way to try to force it and make it happen instead of really trusting God and his miraculous ability 
to do what he had promised. Um, so God, in verse 19, God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac means laughter. It's interesting that Abraham laughed when God said, You're, you're going to have a son still. And later Sarah did the same thing. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. All right. So there were some things in this encounter with God where God was saying, hey, there are things in your life that are shaky and they got you here. But I want to get you there. What were some of the shaky things? Well, one of the shaky things is an incomplete identity. An incomplete identity. It's interesting that God even changed the names, the very core of the identity of Abram and Sarai. Abram means exalted father. That's a pretty good identity right there. You're an exalted father. But it was not the full picture of what God had for Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. So many times we're like that. We have an incomplete identity. We have a sense of who we are. We have a sense of who God's made us to be. And it's a pretty good, you know, in, on our good days, and our good moments, we have a pretty good sense of what that identity is. But God comes to us and says, you know, that's, that's all right. But I got more for you. There's more that I want to reveal to you about who you really are. Um, Sarai, similar. Sarai means, means princess, or literally my princess. It was kind of probably a name her dad gave her, and then Abraham, Abraham also used it, like, you're my princess. But Sarah just means princess, or princess of nations. There was the idea that it wasn't just like for this, per, you know, one-on-one relationship, or you're my princess, but you're for the world. And that was the greater identity that God was bringing Abraham and Sarah into. That it wasn't just about, hey, I'm an exalted father, I have this status, and it's about me, and what I can achieve, and who I am, but it's, no, God wants to raise me up in order to bring this blessing to the world around me. And so, same thing with us. We have a, an incomplete identity, but God wants to give us a new identity, our, our true identity, as we walk with him. Another aspect of shaky to unshakable is, what's shaky is, is flimsy character. You know, Abram had pretty good character compared to most people, but there was stuff in him that was still deceptive, there was stuff in him that was still relying upon his own strength and not trusting God. And God was committed to taking his flimsy, shaking character and making it proven, trustworthy character. You say, no, you've been like this, but I want to walk with you. I want to change you from the inside out. And I want to make you someone who can go through life and stand the tests that come against you. And those are the same thing God wants to do with us. God wants to take our character and our area of flimsiness and prove it and make it steadfast. God takes our, our individualism. Our individualism, I kind of alluded to this already, but that's shaky. Living from an egocentric mindset and thinking it through the lens of ourself as we, we all so readily do. Take us, he took Abram from being individualistic and, and Sarai to being interdependent and intergenerational, an interdependent intergenerational family. That hey, it's not just about you, but I'm making you part of my family. Part of, I'm building a people through you. I want you to be interdependent with other people. I want your life to be joined and connected with my family, with my people. 
And I want you to give things that other people need. I want you to receive from other people things that you need. And it needs to be intergenerational. It's not just about you and your lifetime, but something that's passed on to the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. One thing, another thing that's shaky is, is the mentality of just success. You know, Abraham had above-average success. And a lot of us in this room, like, we're, we're maybe pretty successful people. And, you know, that's, it's, that's, that's nice. But God has even more. God has stuff that's, that's not built upon what we can do through our own efforts. But he wants to take us from success to abundant, long-lasting fruitfulness. God told Abraham, I'm going to make you exceedingly fruitful. Exceedingly fruitful. There's something, I wanted to bring something through your life that is, that is so rich. And not just in material ways, although Abraham and Sarah had that. But there's a fruitfulness of your life. That there's an abundance that I put in you that brings blessing in life to others and to the world around you. God took Abraham and Sarah's dreams and their plans. And those dreams and plans are good. And it's good to have dreams and plans. But oftentimes our dreams and plans are kind of what we envision for our lives. And that's, that's shakable. But what God wants to give us is a calling that's bigger than our dreams or our plans. He wants to give us a realization of this is what you were born for. I have a calling on your life. I have a purpose on your life. That's something in, in Romans it says that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That what God has called us to can't be taken away. And it's part of his kingdom purpose. Our dreams and, and plans oftentimes have to do with our purpose, our plans, our thoughts for our life. But the calling of God has to do with his kingdom purpose. It has to do with him bringing his kingdom, bringing his goodness into the world. Um, another thing that's shaky is, is cynicism. You know, when, when Abram was heard from God, and God said, hey, no, you're going to have another son. Abraham, as much of a man of faith as he was, he laughed. Because it didn't seem possible. And so much of the stuff that we face in our life, we can be cynical, we can have doubt and unbelief towards. But God wants to replace that shaky cynicism with an unshakable faith, an unshakable hopeful faith. That it just, we carry with us that no matter what brings, what life brings at us, there's a positivity about us. Say, so you know what? God is doing something good. God is establishing his purpose. It looks rough. It looks impossible. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to be, I am an optimistic person. I'm not a cynical person. I'm an optimistic person towards the things that God has promised to do. So God wants to, and he establishes that in our life. And God wants to take our unshaky, being uncertain in our relationship with God and bring us into an unshakable covenant relationship with God. It's a covenant with God. It's God saying, hey, I am with you. I am, this is a, a, commit, a committed relationship where we, we are in this forever. This will never be shaken. That's what God was bringing Abraham into. That's what he wants to bring us into. Now, the good thing about a covenant is that a covenant with God is that it's like 99% contingent upon him. That our relationship with God is mostly 
far and above everything else about his loving kindness towards us and his faithfulness towards us and how he reaches out to us and establishes his relationship with us and how he's faithful with us. I mean, the story of Abraham, you see he and every other Bible character practically was, they had their good moments, but they were so flaky, so, so shakable at the same time. But the story of Scripture, the story of history is that God is, a story of our lives is that God is faithful to us when we're unfaithful. And his covenant comes to us because of who he is, not because of, because of who we are or what we do. But there is a little bit, there is a part of this covenant relationship with God that's contingent upon our response to God. And that's how God set it all up. He said, hey, walk before me and be blameless, and I'll establish my covenant with you. I have this for you, but you need to, to walk before me and be blameless and come into this. And then he really zeroes in on one specific way that God wants Abram, now Abraham, to, to a step that he wants him to take as an act of trust and allegiance and entering into this covenant with God. And it's probably an act that Abraham, Abraham would have said, can I do something else? Is there some other act of faith that I could do besides what you're going to ask me to do? So let's go look at what that is. In, in verse 9, oh yeah. this is what God says. God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Remember, how old is Abraham right now? Ninety-nine. God's telling him, all right, this is what you need to do to establish this covenant. You need to take this real sensitive, private, intimate body part and have a little surgery. You need to present that before me and have a little operation as a sign and a seal of the covenant I'm making with you. Not only that, it says in verse 11, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. All right, now I'm not really, it's not my goal to be awkward here, okay? That's, that's really not what I'm aiming for, but it's kind of unavoidable. And I think sometimes we, we like, we antisepticize the Bible so much that we miss, like, what's really going on here? That's what was really going on here. God was saying, all right, you're, you, need to, you need to do this. You need to do this physical act, this physical surgery. Now, thank God that's not a requirement for us in the New Covenant as followers of Jesus. But this is a picture of what God does for every follower of Jesus when we enter the kingdom of God and as we walk with God. And it's really not about a physical thing, but it's about our hearts. And this is all through the, through the scriptures, this theme. In Deuteronomy 36, Moses says this. He says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So circumcision is not ultimately about a physical thing. It's about our hearts. It's about something God does. And just as circumcision, though, is in a very sensitive place, it's in a very private place, it's in a very delicate place, it's in a place that is near and dear to you, God says, I want to come into that place 
And I want that place to be wholly mine. I want anything that is contrary to a relationship with me, I want that to be set aside. I want what got you here to be set aside in order to bring you into what I have for you. It's, that's what God has for us as well. And, you know, Abraham, he had stuff in his life that was, that was holding him back. And this was a time where God brought him into cutting off that part of his life and coming fully into what God had for him. And so, this morning as we're talking about upheaval and what got us here won't get us there, I really want to ask that question, is that what, what in our life got us here but won't get us there? Maybe it's something from the list that we read through. And, um, you know, maybe it's your identity. Maybe it's your dreams and plans that are less than what God has. Maybe it's something else. There's an opportunity to, to say, God, I want to let you come in my life and, and cut that off. Not because just for the sake of the pain, but because you have something more. Because you're bringing me into something more. I love how, how Abraham responded in the end of this chapter. In verse 22, we, we read this. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house. And he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. 99 years old, but it says that very day. God spoke to him. He said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Abraham said, all right, it's going to happen. And he went and got all the, all the dudes in his household, all the servants, his son Ishmael, and they, I don't know what, what that looked like, but there's this, this scene of them all taking action and a decisive action to obey God and move from what had gotten them there to, to where God was taking them. And so, today I just want to encourage us in the same way. Like, there's a place in your life that God's saying, hey, I'm putting my finger on that. I'm calling you in this area to respond in that way. Um, we're actually going to... It's interesting to me that it was not only Abraham individually, but it was his whole people, his whole family. There were a couple hundred people in, in this household with his servants, and it, it talks about elsewhere, elsewhere in Genesis. And there wasn't just an I thing, but it was a we thing. That we are going to follow God together in this thing. And really, that, from that people, God changed the world. And that's the way it works, is that as we individually and together respond and say, okay, God, this is what I've been comfortable with, this is my life, but I'm willing to to move into the greater thing you have for me. And we do that together. Those are the people that God uses to change a community, to change a city, to change the world. We want to um, have a, even a chance today for us to do that. And we're going to, worship team, you can come on back up here. Um, we're going to worship God with one more song. But as you do that, if there's something in your, your life where you're like, God, this is, this is where I sense you leading me from, this is what you want to lead me into. Just in your own heart, 
this will be a time to say, God, yes, I'm going from what got me here to what will get me there. And we also want to have a chance at the, after the, as the service winds down today or we're going to dismiss, but if you're, you're here and you're like, you know, there's a d- definite area in my life where I would want prayer. I want someone else to pray with me for something. Then we're going to have some people up here and you can just come up front and someone will pray with you. And you can say, this is the thing I'm, I want to go from here to there. Now, I, I don't know how this worked, but I think it probably, Abraham probably needed somebody else's help to get circumcised. And a lot of times, we need someone else's help, too. There's something powerful in confessing and saying, this is what's going on. Will you stand with me? And I really want to take decisive action in this way. And so um, I want to encourage us, if God's speaking to your heart, to just pray with someone and really have a moment where God does something powerful in your life. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray together, and then we'll worship God. Lord. Thank you that you're the God of of promise. You're the God of more. Thank you for being faithful with us to this point in our life and all the ways you've gotten us here. Lord, thank you that you think so highly of us that even today there are places in our lives where you're saying, hey, that's, that's all well, that's been well and good for now, but that won't get you to the place I'm taking you. Lord, thank you that you have more. Thank you that you are leading us forward and upward. And Lord, this morning we trust you, I trust you for even just an infusion of your grace, infusion of your life, an infusion of hope of optimism towards you and your promises, of greater kingdom vision for our lives in the world. Lord, thank you for that. Bring us into it. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.